right? There's like different things that I can do to be of service to mankind through what God has given me on the inside. And so I believe that it's just so important for us to discover who we are as individuals, right? We have to know who we are as Christians, our, our faith in God and our faith in Jesus Christ. But then beyond that, we have to know who we are as individuals so that we can complete not just having faith in God and having faith in Jesus Christ, but also believing in ourselves, right? And the unique emanation of God that God created us to be as individuals, right? Because without believing in yourself, you can't experience the fullness of what God gave you to do. He tells us in the Old Testament that whether you're blessed or cursed, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, whether you're blessed or cursed, you have to harvest, right? You have to labor, you have to, you have to, you have to work, you have to do, you have to do things. He says he'll bless your store. That means that you have to have something for him to bless. You have to put in effort. You have to develop things. You have to cultivate things, right? So whether you're, you're seeking God or not, you have to do these things. Even if you're under the curse, you're just reaping less harvest. And a lot of us, I believe, are reaping less harvest than we should be reaping because we're focused so much on the, the field and the crops and not on the self and 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 what god has put down on the inside of you that would allow you to best harvest it right you shouldn't just just run straight in and just start pulling stuff off of the off of the branches right you should sit back you should assess it you should look at what are going to be some of the challenges right how do i get the ones that are at the top of the trees without with, with, without uh, breaking any branches so I don't lose any, right? Like, how can I get closest to the full potential of the harvest, right? Because if I just run out there and start harvesting and I'm blessed, I'm not cursed, I'm blessed, then I'm going to reap 30-fold, right? I'm going to get about a third of the, out of, of the potential, but I'm still losing what I could bring in because I'm not utilizing everything that God has put in me, right? He put in me the ability to analyze and the ability to think critically and the ability to discern and evaluate and measure and strategize. And if I don't use these things in what I have to do, then I'm not reaping from my own full potential, right? So I could, I, God could put 500 ears of corn in the field, but if I'm not strategic about how I approach my situation, then I can only bring in 150 and lose the rest because I'm not utilizing everything that God put inside of me. I'm just going with what I see. I, I, I see the corn and I'm just running into the field and I'm picking the corn, but as I'm picking it from the bottoms, it's falling off the top. And once it falls off the top it's, it, it, and it hits the ground, it's no longer good, right? So we, as Christians, I believe that we have to, and that's just my example. I know some people are gonna literally say, well, why can't you wash it off? That's just my example. And you, and, and you should be able to get my point. But ultimately, I feel like that's why it's so important for us as Christians to assess and evaluate our circumstances, situations. And a lot of times, whether we, every, everything, we have to see everything in life as an opportunity. Everything in life is an opportunity. Whether it's a struggle or, or a blessing, it's always an opportunity to be blessed, right? If you get a direct opportunity for a blessing, like a promotion or something, that's obviously a blessing. Now, if you get, if, if you're late on your rent, that's a blessing too because it gives you the opportunity 
to be more critical. It gives you the opportunity to be more strategic. It gives you the opportunity to uh, plan things, to structure things, to work on your uh, relations. You, you might have to uh, 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 develop a strategy for how you're going to approach your landlord and get an extension. You might have to approach your uh, job and see if you can get a, a, a advance. Like there, there's different things that you might have to sit back and think about. You might have to go without some things. You might have to cut back. You might have to plan for downsizing, right? But like whatever it is, you shouldn't like allow it to be a common emotional situation rather than be emotional. It should be an opportunity for you to sit with God and to reevaluate and reassess your situation and look at how can you come out in the best shape possible. Right. It, that, that doesn't necessarily, it, it, for example, if you're uh, behind on your rent, that might not mean that you're able to keep your place, but it might mean that if I sit back and look at it, okay, well, I know I'm going to lose this place in about three months. Right. If I don't look at it, then maybe I'm going to let three months go by and then in the last minute I'm going to get put out and then I'm not going to know what to do and it's going to be a catastrophe. It's going to be bad. It's going to suck and I have to move my car or something or, or something terrible. Right. But if I see it coming and I and I'm strategic about it then I can say okay well maybe I can stay here another three months even though I'm going to be behind on the rent but I'm going to put that money aside and then go and put a down payment on something less expensive so that when I move out of here I can just move into the, the less expensive place right but I have to I have to see my challenge as an opportunity for my blessing right I can't see my challenge as like as like a, a problem that's beyond me, even if it's beyond my material resources, right? Like just because God's with me doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to make the payment. Sometimes God will bless you to, 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 to come up short. Sometimes, sometimes you need to be trimmed back a little bit, right? He describes this in the New Testament as trees, right? Like living trees. And sometimes as living trees, we have to be pruned back a little bit. And sometimes in that pruning phase, as Christians, we can get distorted and we can feel like something's wrong or like God's not hearing our prayers, but sometimes he's answering a previous prayer through a present problem so that he can get you to a future grace, right? So sometimes you prayed for something some months ago and you didn't know that the answer to your prayer would have to involve a problem so that he could shift you so that he could bring you into the place of provision, right? But if you're not open, if you're not if you're if you're not focused on God, if you're not open to changing circumstances and situations, then you'll miss these kinds of things and you won't reap in the full harvest. So now you're 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 behind on on, on, on your rent when God was trying to give you an, an opportunity to become a more strategic thinker so that he could bring that new way of thinking into your business so that once you got your new place, you could get a promotion at the same time. But because you got frustrated and you didn't want to allow God to, to shift you and you didn't want to seek God in the situation, then you end up losing the place. Then you end up having to be in a, in a harder situation. And sometimes God will continually bring us through hardships because he's trying to slow us down. He's trying to wake us up and get us to be more uh, uh, self-reflective, more, more evaluative of the situations and circumstances that we're facing because God is always with us. But we have to remember that God is the word. Now, in the beginning, God was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. When we translate that back to the Greek, we get the word logos, and then, which means thought. In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the, and the thought was with God, and the thought was God, right? And so when Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of God is within us, 
right? He's saying the kingdom of thought, right? The kingdom of thought is within us. And then he's saying that to seek the kingdom of thought and its righteousness, right? Because if we're being real, like everybody has uh, dark thoughts, right? Sinful thoughts, like it's in our nature until we renewed our mind to the point where we can cast out all wickedness and cast out all evils. Until we get to that point, we have darkness and dark thoughts inside our mind. But Jesus is telling us that if you seek the righteous thoughts, right, you have to uproot the tears. You have to uproot all the wicked things, all the sinful things. And you learn what's sinful because it's in your nature, right? Like lying. Lying is in your nature. But you learn that that's a sin. You learn that it's bad through the Bible. Without the Bible, you could spin yourself in circles about lying for the rest of your life and never be convinced that it's wrong, right? But through the Bible, we learn that, hey, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that because God says that you're not supposed to do that. So as we come into the knowledge of sin and as we approach the, the full knowledge, then we're able to root sin out of us as individuals and we're able to cast out sin. And then we're able to seek the righteousness in the kingdom, right? The kingdom of thought, right? And so when he's telling you that he's with you and God is with you, it means that you have to, your, your mind has to be first built on and founded on righteousness so that you can hear God's voice. Otherwise, inside your mind, you can't discern what's from God. You can't discern what God's leadership is in, in your life because your thoughts are also being in, 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 in conflicted with sin, right? So you can't really discern, like, when is it God and when is it me and when is it the devil and when is it sin and when is it wrong and when is it right, right? Because there's too much going on inside the temple. So the first great work is to clean out your temple. Right. So you have to be baptized. You have to uh, renew your mind. You have to begin the work of transformation. You have to begin the work of studying the scriptures to clean the temple out, just to clean yourself out. And then once you clean yourself out, then you can hear God clearly. And just because you can hear God again, that doesn't mean that the bill is going to get paid. But don't think that because the bill doesn't get paid, that God isn't with you in the situation. He's with you in the situation, but he wants you to think differently. And sometimes he puts you in a hard place to call you to think differently for future glory, for future blessings, that he has to change how you think in this hard time so that he can prosper how you think in a future time, right? Because if he prospered you with your old mind, you wouldn't reap the full harvest. And so God is continually concerned with us reaching a hundredfold blessing, right? Jesus warns us that the blessing is 30, 60, and a hundredfold. He tells us that anybody who leaves behind uh, mothers, fathers, children, uh, houses, and, you know, anything, basically all our possessions and everything we know. Anybody who leaves everything behind will surely reap a hundredfold. And it makes sense when you think about it that it's the kingdom of thought. Because it, when you understand that it's the kingdom of thought, then what you're understanding is he's saying that if you leave everything behind, then you're going to receive a hundredfold. You're going to be able to use your mind to think your way through your problems, to make your riches, to increase your riches, to develop your peace, to develop your joy. You're going to be able to think your way to it, right? And as long as, and the problem is, is that if you don't leave everything behind, and you can still get 30 and 60 fold without leaving everything behind. But if you don't leave everything behind, then you always have something outside of you that's influencing your thinking, right? Because we're birthed into attachment. We're birthed into you know, being attached to our parents, being attached to our housing, being attached to our friends, being attached to things, clothes, video, uh, games, you know, items, things. We're, we're born into attachment, right? And so something outside of us always has influence over our mind and our way of thinking. 
right? But when you leave everything behind, you're forced to have to rely completely on your own mind and completely on your own thoughts. And the Bible is teaching you how to do that effectively without getting in trouble and doing it effectively and living a full life. Right? Because if you leave everything behind and you're just going on your own thoughts, but you have sinful thoughts, well, you can get in a lot of trouble. Right? But if you leave everything behind and you clean out the temple first, right? You clean out the temple, you leave everything behind. Well, you you know that you're not going to sin. You're not going to do anything wrong. So you're not going to get yourself in trouble. That doesn't mean that you won't be in trouble in some situations, but you'll be able to think your way through them because God will be with you. You see, you, you see what I'm saying? And I, I just, I believe that it's so important for us as Christians to know that, 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 that God being with us is, is, is related. And there is the supernatural presence of God. Let's not ignore the fact that there is the presence of God, that the presence of God will do things outside of yourself that will help you as well, right? The presence of God will affect other people that will cause them to, to, to be a, a, a blessing, Right. He will bless your circumstances and your situation, your trials and tribulations. So let's not ignore the presence of God. But there's also the, the presence of God inside of us. And there's the ability for us to think thoughts, right? The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that uh, he will cause our minds to tend to our thoughts. Our, he says thoughts. He says he will cause our thoughts to tend to plenteousness, right? So God is concerned with our thoughts thinking. He's concerned with how we think about things, right? He wants us to think about things in a godly way. Like when he gave the law to Moses, he, uh, the 613 commandments, they were, the law was to structure how we think about things, right? Like you shouldn't do things in, and, and, and these are what you, these are the things that you should and shouldn't do. And so when you're with yourself in your own alone time, you have something to think about. You have something to measure against. You have right. You can discern right from wrong. You can uh, plan out your life in accordance to what is good and what is right. And God tells us that if you plan your life and develop your life around things that are good and things that are right, that you don't have to fear evil. It doesn't mean that bad won't happen, but it won't be bad. It, it, it doesn't mean that trouble won't happen. It just won't be troublesome. Like Paul writes that he had joy in his tribulations and that we should count it all joy when we come into all of these diverse problems and trials and tribulations and circumstances, right? And so it doesn't mean that the external will be any easier than it is for anybody else. But internally, you'll be able to deal with it better than many other people who would go through similar circumstances lacking faith, right? For better or worse, right? Whether you're a millionaire, whether you're a billionaire, whether you're a, a bum, whether you're middle class, whether you're upper middle class, whatever your, your circumstance or situation is, the closer that you're walking with God, the more clarity and insight he will give you on the inside to be able to think your way through your opportunities, right? If you're, if you're, if you're at a place where you're just trying to maintain, he will cause you to have insight. He will cause you to have insight into business. He will cause you to have insight into your family. He will cause you to have insight into your relationships. He'll give you insight uh, uh, through the manner in which you think, right? 
And see, the problem is, as Christians, see, if you don't have enough scripture in you, then you can't discern when God's trying to talk to you. Because until you clean the temple up, you're going to have the struggle between your natural, you know, your natural proclivity, so to speak, like, you know, maybe lying or lust or, you know, or whatever, like different things that people struggle with, right? You're going to have your, your, your natural and then you're going to have God like whispering in the background, so to speak, right? Until you clean the sin out. And then when you clean the sin out, then you can hear the voice of God. But that's a long process because you have to give yourself internally the justification to break your former way of thinking, right? And before you can even break that way of thinking, you have to desire it. Like you have to want to change. Like if you don't want to change, then a person could show you however much scripture and it's not going to change you, right? So you have to want to change and then you have to want holiness, right? You have to want to be holy. You have to want to be righteous, right? And then you have to find out, well, what does it mean to be righteous and what does it mean to be unrighteous, right? What does it mean to be wicked? What do wicked people do? And then when you learn what wicked people do, then you learn what not to do. Right. And so when you learn what not to do, then you learn what not to think. Right. So like when you're at work and somebody pisses you off, like you don't you don't express your anger the same way as you would have a week ago because you spent time with the Lord. You spent time in worship. You spent time in Bible study where he tells you to be slow to anger. And so then rather than exercising your 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 liberty and through, you know, just speaking your mind, you're exercising your, your faith through practicing what God is telling you to do, right? And the more that we practice what God tells us to do, the more that we can draw to righteousness, the more that he will then in turn pour into our minds and he will give us the answer to our circumstances and situations, the different struggles that we're facing, the different challenges that we're facing. He'll give us the answer in a pattern of thought within ourselves. And then we as Christians have to have the discernment to know that that wasn't you. You have to know that it wasn't you that thought the thoughts. It was God who sent you the thoughts. It was God who sent you the guidance. It was God who sent you the direction. And what you have to protect against as Christians, you because you can go, you, you could easily become a lunatic thinking like that, right? If you think every thought in your head is from God, you could easily become a lunatic, right? You have to have the balance of under of knowing the scripture so that when a thought comes to mind, you can weigh it against what the word says. Now, if it's in agreement with what the word says, then we can believe that it's from God. If it's not in agreement with what the word says, then we don't need to say where it's from. Right. It's just not from God. And we can then clear our mind of that. We can say, oh, I'm not OK. I'm not supposed to do that. So that's not from God. And sometimes God will allow us periods of our life where we're being tested, right? Where, where God wants to see because the blessing is so powerful and the glory of God is so good that he wants to see, are you worthy, right? He, Jesus sent uh, a man away that he healed and told him he couldn't follow him because he deemed him unworthy. So we can't believe that Jesus just thinks that we're just worthy of a full hundredfold blessing just because we call on his name. Now, salvation is, is universal to all who believe, right? Salvation is universal to believers, right? Not to non-believers, to people who believe in Jesus Christ. Salvation is universal. Now, he tells us in Matthew 5, 19, that heaven is going to have levels to it. 
So entry is universal and it costs nothing, right? You get into heaven just by believing in Jesus Christ. Now, how much of your full potential you reap in this life or the life to come is determined by how closely you walk with God, right? So getting Jesus is the door to the kingdom. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, boom, you're saved. You, 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 your sins are forgiven. You're wiped clean. You're, you're good. You're going to heaven. Now, beyond that is reaching the full hundredfold of who, God, who, of who God created you and called you to be. And that's where it becomes important for us to be doing Bible study, spending time in prayer, fasting, uh, uh, seeking after righteousness, seeking after holiness, uh, seeking to be better Christians, seeking to be better people, seeking to, to, to be at peace with all people, seeking to be kind, seeking to be gentle. Right. It, it's it's seeking for us to be joyous. Right. Seeking for us to encourage one another. Right. It's important for for us to do these things so that we can reap more of what God has for us in this life and in the life to come. Right. So I it, it, it's, it's so important because life is life is life is difficult. Life is difficult. Life is difficult because, you know, we have to do it on our own. Right. No, no matter who you are, after a certain point in your life, you have to care. You have to bear your own cross. Right. You have to carry your cross, whatever it is. You know, you have to carry it. And that's what makes it difficult. Right. And even our Lord and Savior, he showed us that it's difficult. Even he cried. Right. When Jesus carried his cross before he was crucified, he cried. He, he pleaded with God and asked God to take to take that away from him. And God wouldn't take it away from him. And so in life, sometimes we have to carry things in our lives that God's not going to take away from us. We have to carry it. We have to bear it. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes the hardness of it is good because it, it makes us have to get stronger. Maybe that, maybe that cross is 100 pounds and... When you first started carrying it, you, 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 you could barely lift 75, honestly. So you were putting that cross on your back and it was crushing you. You know, and maybe you could only drag it a few feet before you, before you had to take a break. But as you keep bearing it, you keep walking with it, you keep exercising your faith, you get stronger. You get stronger, you get stronger, you get stronger, you get stronger. Right. And so I believe that as Christians, it's so important for us to to willfully take on our challenges, to willfully take on our obstacles. Don't 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 always try to, to pray your way out of things. Pray your way through things. Right. Don't don't pray for the challenge to go away. Pray for you to be able to get through it. Right. Because here's the secret. The, the, the secret is there's always another challenge. It is guaranteed. In fact, to those of us who will receive a hundredfold in this life and the life to come, Jesus says, not without persecutions. You will not receive one hundredfold without persecutions. That is that is in that is that is in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus told us so that is a promise from god that we will not receive a hundredfold without persecution so 
there will always be another problem in your life. There will always be more trouble in your life. It will not stop. When he delivers you from these problems, you're going to have new problems. And that will never stop throughout the days of your life until you get to heaven when there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, no more suffering. That's in heaven. In this life, there will always be another challenge. And as Christians, I believe that it's so powerful to know that. It's, it changes the way you pray. I believe that that changes the way you pray. When you fully accept that and you understand that in your heart, that there will always be another mountain to climb. There will always be another storm to endure. There will always be another famine. There will always be another drought. There will always be another hard thing to deal with. And when you accept that, then you start getting stronger. You start getting stronger because that's the only option. If you're going to get a hundredfold, if you're going to, if you're not just going to be a, uh, uh, and I, 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 I reserve the right to use the A word because Peter uses it. If, if you're, if you're not going to be a drag ass your whole life, if you're going to do something with your life, then you have to accept that because you need the strength that hardship builds into you. You need those nights that make you cry and, 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 and hold yourself and cuddle yourself to sleep in, 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 in fear, wondering if you're going to make it. You need those times. You need those times. You need those times where you're worried and you're scared and you don't know if you're, if, if you're going to be able to make it and you can't see a way and all you can do is pray. You need those times. Because the strength that you gain in the times where you are forced to rely completely on God, that when you get to your place of provision, when you get to the place where God is going to increase your sustenance and he's going to increase your yield and he's going to increase your fruitfulness, when you get there, you're not going to be able to harvest it all if you didn't build the strength in the challenge. The challenge is coming to build your strength. It's like it's it's like God, like your life is like going to the Olympics. And if you don't, if you don't lift the weights in the gym, then on performance day, you're not going to be able to get a gold medal. And some of us as Christians, we're trying to pray oh, to get out of training. And then we want a gold medal still. And it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to pray for the strength to endure the training. You have to pray for the strength to endure the suffering. You have to pray for the strength to endure the hardship. You have to pray for the knowledge. You have to pray for the wisdom. You have to pray for the peace. You have to pray. The Bible tells us to pray continually. And I believe that a lot of us, you know, a lot of us, we, we don't pray enough. Right? We, we, don't, we don't pray enough because still there's a part of us that wants to take credit for the glory of God. We want to take credit in our own lives. We want to be able to say that we did it, that I did it, that I did this, I achieved this, I bought this, I acquired this, I got this promotion, I made this, I did this. When God is trying to get you to a place where you say, if not for the grace of God, if not for the mercy and glory of God, I wouldn't have anything. That although I might be the vessel doing the work, God is the one providing the strength. 
God is the one providing the thoughts and the, and the understanding and the wisdom. And when I make mistakes, that's me. When, when I get it right, that's God. And I, I believe that God is trying to get us to this place, this place where we rely completely on him, where we stop trying to control the things external to us and we just focus on him and allow him to move us through this world while we're focused on what he created us to be. Because maybe he didn't want you to be in that apartment. Maybe he didn't want you to be in that part of town. Maybe he wanted you to be in another part of town because there's someone that he wants you to meet or there's an opportunity that he wants you to see that if you were where you were trying to be, you couldn't get to where you need to be. And I feel like sometimes we think our needs are based on what we want, but our needs are based on what God wants in order to elevate us in our lives. And sometimes we're reaping less harvest because God is telling us to go to the right and we keep going to the left. And then we're asking God, why is it difficult? Why are you making it hard? And he's saying, because I don't want you to go to the left. I want you to go to the right. And rather than listen to God, we keep praying with him please help me on the left, please help me on the left. And then we feel like he's not answering our prayers, but his answer to our prayer is the problem. And he's using the problem like Jonah and Nineveh. He's using the problem as the belly of the whale because he's trying to push you to the right. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we're not receiving a full har harvest because we're resisting the push of God. We're resisting God's own divine guidance and his own divine instruction. And for some of us, we're we're, we're, we're rather than we're, we're not resisting temptation, right? We're falling to temptation, the temptation to make false idols and the temptation to chase after things. We're falling to temptation and then we're resisting God when we should be worshiping God and following God and trusting God with all our heart and resisting the temptation. And I feel like God will just send us through hardship to get us to the place where we will finally listen to him. Because I believe that as a Christian, God wants it to be easy for you. I think, I believe that God wants your life to be easy. And that doesn't mean that in a worldly sense, it would be easy. It doesn't mean like all of your, you know, an easy life doesn't mean that everything works out all the time. You always have all your bills paid. You know, you always have the best job. You always get the best salary. You know, you always have the best car. That's not what easy means. Easy, easy means that you would have the strength to bear whatever you have to go through. So that nothing that you experience is beyond your ability to carry. And then when you understand that about yourself, it makes it easy to carry it because you understand that it's strengthening you. And the more strength you develop, it becomes easier 
to carry these other things because ultimately it's not about you and it's not about what you're carrying. It's about that guy next to you and he's looking at you while he's struggling with his cross and he's seeing everything that you're carrying and he's seeing everything that you're putting up with and he's seeing that you bear the name of Jesus and that you're calling on the name of Jesus and that you're leaning on Jesus. And if you can keep going with everything that you're carrying, then maybe he can keep going too. And so God blesses us, not for, not for our own sakes, but that he might get glory out of it. That he'll put you through more stress to remind somebody else of how much strength and power is in him. And so I believe that the more that we understand God and we understand our walk with God, we stop asking God to lighten the weight. I think a lot of times as Christians, our prayers are about the weight of the cross. You know, God, I, I, I need I need the money to to, to I, I need money or I, I need promotion or I, I need, you know, I, I need things when oftentimes what we need are spiritual things. We need wisdom. We need knowledge. Right. If we had the if we had the wisdom, we could we could we could we could we we, we could do it differently. If we had the knowledge, we could do it better. We could do it differently. We could do it in a different way. We could approach it from a different angle. We could use a different strategy. We could get better results with less resources if we had the spiritual tools, if we had the wisdom, if we had the knowledge, if we had the understanding, if we had the favor, if we had the grace, right? And God wants us to be relying on him as the provider. And I feel like part of the struggle becomes, well, how do I then focus on God and get what I want at the same time. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. And you're like, okay, so, you know, I want a new car. So do I just keep praying and then keep the car in the back of my mind? Or do I, you know, do I go to the dealership and meet with some people, mention God's name, you know, mention a little Jesus here and there, you know, plant seeds like that and then hope it, you know, and the, the point is to focus on God and to release the attachment to the thing. And God might give you the thing. God might give you the thing, but he's not gonna give it to you through you pursuing it. You could pursue it and get it, but if you pursue it and get it, then it will have you because now you're laboring to keep it. If I'm laboring in faith, if I'm laboring in love and my labor is producing fruit and then I can take my fruit and I can trade it for other materials and I can acquire other materials through my overflow of fruit, then nothing possesses me, even though I can possess many different things. Because God is what's possessing me and God is what I'm devoting my mind to. The things of God, the things that I create, I'm creating with God. The things that I build, I'm building with God. The things that I design, I'm designing with God. So, and that doesn't mean that everything works instantly, right? God is a God of little by little. God is the mustard seed God, right? The mustard seed is a small thing. And he says that this small thing grows into a great thing. But even though the scripture goes very quickly, it says the mustard seed grows from the smallest of all plants until the largest of all plants and thus is the kingdom of heaven. But the, the scripture, you know, he explains it in other dimensions. And of course, we have to understand this as Christians, that this mustard seed has to be watered. It has to receive sunlight. It has to, 
it has to be cared for from the day into the night and the day into the night and the day into the night over a long period of time it goes through a growth process and as Christians anything that we build in life has a growth process and you can't negate the process not if you're going to get it from God if you're going to get it from God it's going to be little by little it's going to be slow growth but over time it's going to be great and I feel like a, a, a lot of times we want we want things quick and fast we want a quick a quick answer and that's not from God God doesn't do that Right. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that anything you get hastily will come to nothing. But if you get it little by little, then it will be established. Right. And so I believe that it's so important. Uh, and I don't think it, it doesn't use that exact language. But anyway, that's essentially what it means. If you go on Google and you type in, you know, uh, Proverbs uh, 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 hastily, you know, it'll pop up. You can read it anyway. Uh, the point is is that to work with yourself, to work with God, to work with God in you, you have to see things as process, as little by little, because otherwise you'll be so self-critical because you're, you're looking at McDonald's and you're wondering why your hamburger stand only sold 12 hamburgers today. Well, it's little by little. And if you're not little by little in your thinking, then you'll be so critical of you not amounting up to what you're seeing on the outside of others that you're you're shorting yourself right because the fruit that you're seeing from other people was built little by little right if it's real if it's something that's stable if it's something that's continually you know prospering and growing right it, it, you know so you you have to you have to understand that everything you do is little by little if you're an artist if you're a designer everything is little by little so you have to make sure first that it's in the heart because if it's in the heart then it should be joy it should bring you joy just to be working on what you're called to do right whatever it is that you're building or designing or developing or creating or serving right whatever capacity of service that you're operating in like whatever it is that you do should be fulfilling just the act of doing it and so it 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 it, it, it shouldn't have to necessarily be like successful instantly Right. It should be something that you plan to work on for a long period of time. And if you're because if you're after success, if you're just after monetary success and physical things and material reward, then you could be great at something, but never fully realize it because it might not happen quickly for you. It might take you two years to actually learn how to paint. But if it's in your heart, then you should pursue it and take your time with it and learn about it and pray on it and God will guide you through it. He'll guide you through the process. He'll show you what to study. He'll show you where to learn. He'll show you how to develop it. And over time, you'll be great at it. But if you're in the world and, and you have a gift of painting, but you don't really know it's a gift, you don't really know it's from God, you don't know God wants to do it with you, then you're going at it from a economic standpoint, a capitalist standpoint, nine times out of 10, right? You're, you're, you're approaching it from a capitalist standpoint and the main focus is profitability, right? When the, the main focus should be a genuine expression of self, right? It should just be a genuine self-expression and your genuine self-expression over time will be profitable over time, right? So 
you have to that's why I believe you have to approach things from the from the place of, of putting God first and not the things or not the money or not what it is that you 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 want and you have to change what you want you have to just want more God and then you have to trust that God will give you the other things or stuff or accolades or recognition or whatever it is that you believe that you want you have to believe that God will give that to you right but the the faith is not passive it's not a passive faith faith is not a passive thing faith is very functional faith is very active right god is a doing god the very first thing that god did inside of the creation was he moved on the the spirit moved on the on the surface of the waters of the deep right the first thing that god did was he moved right so it's a functional it's a it, it's an active spirit it's an active presence right god is alive god is working with people god is developing people he is he is a shield he is a protector he is real god is real and 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 the promises of god are real right and that's why i believe that it's so important as christians for us to be in our bibles to be studying our bibles because there's so much that god has provided for us that we're not receiving and there's so much that god wants for us that we're not harvesting right and the reason is because our temple isn't clean right so we can't fully hear we can't fully discern God and so the the first great work is for us to clean out the temple is for us to 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 seek out righteousness to and seeking out righteousness it's not like this metaphor right that could be like a catchphrase right you have to seek out righteousness what does that mean right to seek out I almost wanted to say the f word like what the f does that mean but I've learned I've been working I've been praying that's one of my struggles I pray to, to, to release this cussing and to, to, to stop cussing and whatnot. Still going to use the A word because that's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm releasing, you know, or working on releasing this, the, the, these other cuss words. But anyway, you know, you have to, you, you have to, to know, you know, what, is, uh, what does that mean, right? You have to seek out righteousness. What does that mean? That means that you need to go into the Bible and you need to learn what does righteousness mean? right? Not what you think it means, or not what people say it means, or not what the blog sites say it means, or not what your pastor says it means, right? Or not what I say it means, right? Not what any person says it means. You have to go into the Bible, and you have to find, and you have to study, and you have to read. What does righteousness mean? What does that mean? And I'm not going to tell you, so that you go do it, right? You have to learn what does that mean and you also need to know what does unrighteousness mean what does wickedness mean right what those three things you need to know that you need to actually know that what does righteousness mean what does unrighteousness mean and what does wickedness mean right so that you can build within your mind a filter Right. You have to actually build it. You have to build a filter in your mind so that you can filter out the thoughts that are not of God. Until you learn from the Bible. Right. What and I would suggest the King James Bible. With maybe some new international, you can use some of the other virgin versions to bring it into uh 
more of a, a layman's terms understanding, but you should always go to the King James Bible first, get it there first. Then you might, I like the New Living Translation. I read that one sometimes. I like the New International Version. I read that sometimes. But you should get it from the source first. You should get it from the King James Bible first, right? And so learn what is righteousness, what is unrighteousness, what is wickedness. Now, once you know what those are, then when you're sitting alone by yourself and just random thoughts come to mind, right? Like the S word just came to mind, like random S word comes to mind. But I use my filter, right, to say, okay, I don't, don't say that, right? Because that wouldn't be righteous, right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't be using filthy talk, right? So if I don't have that verse, then it's just an opinion like, oh, well, you know, I think because no, well, the A word is in there, but the S word isn't. So and that's offensive to some people so that we can call that filthy talk. So I have to use that scripture to then give my mind the justification for why I'm releasing that. Right. So if I don't have the scripture, then it's just a matter of opinion. And maybe I decide to, maybe I don't. But once I have the scripture, I have something solid. That's the same every day. It's not going to change. It's going to be the same every day. Right. That I can use to then help my mind filter out what's righteous and what's holy. Right. And so for for each of us, we we need to do that. Right. That's the first great work that we can do as Christians is to filter out. Uh, to, is to build first we have to the, the great work is to clean the temple before you can clean the temple you have to build the filter in order to build the filter you have to know what is righteousness what is unrighteousness and what is wickedness and then once you know those things then you have to start making a daily practice this will not happen overnight you i've been talking about not cussing for a while now and i'm getting much better at it it will not happen overnight. Once you build the filter, then you have to work on engaging your filter throughout your daily life. This is not homework that you do at home and then you leave it at home and you go to work. This is a way of living. This is a way of life. You have to build the filter, then you have to, in your daily life, engage the filter, which means that you're walking in the consciousness of God. You're walking in God consciousness. You're being conscious of what God wants you to do and wants you to not do, right? And then after you engage the filter, it will then cause you to become a new person. It will cause you to transform. If I was putting this in Bible terms, I would say you have to renew your mind and then be transformed by the renewing of the mind, not being conformed into the way of the world, but being conformed into the image and likeness of, our, of the beloved Jesus Christ. 